Good morning. Uh, my name's James. I'm part of the team here. I hope you enjoyed just that little uh, excerpt from Friends. I hope most of you will recognize it. Um, almost everyone of a certain age and background will know the words to that song, probably. Um, and it's from the sitcom Friends, uh, featuring six single people in their 20s living in New York. Uh, and it broke TV viewing records. And it's still shown continuously throughout the world today. But what explains this phenomenal success? Perhaps the answer is found in the title of that theme song, I'll Be There For You. And one of the actors, David Schwimmer, he commented, he said, it's a fantasy for a lot of people, having a group of friends who become like family. And for many, that's all it is, a fantasy. A study by the Co-op and the British Red Cross revealed that over 9 million people in the UK across all adult ages, which is more than the population of London, are either always or often lonely. There are 1.2 million chronically lonely older people in the UK. And research by Sense has shown that up to 50% of disabled people will be lonely on any given day. Mother Teresa, who spent her life working with people in Calcutta in India, said that the worst disease wasn't leprosy, AIDS or cancer, but loneliness. And in our Western technology-obsessed culture, it would seem that we're even more connected than we ever have been. I now have a hundred different ways that I can get in touch with someone. I can call them, I can text them, I can WhatsApp them, I can email them, I can FaceTime them, I can Facebook Messenger them, I can Skype them, I can tweet them, and for the youth, they can Snapchat each other. <laughs> and in some ways, I'm grateful for all of these, or for some of them anyway. But you can't help but think that real friendship real community, real family is being sidelined and being replaced with a connectivity that lacks authenticity, that lacks those key principles that make a true friendship. In fact, the little device in our pocket has become such a force in our world that even when people do get together, the phone still dominates. The screen dominates. We've, we've lost the art of conversation, of agreeing to disagree. Everything now has to be right or wrong. You know those conversations where someone brings up a fact about something and in the back of your mind you're like, that's not right. And so what you do is you get your phone out and you Google it and you go, aha, I got you. You're not right. But 20, 30 years ago, that was never the case. You just had to be okay with the fact that maybe someone was wrong. We've lost the art of just existing and being with each other. And if we're not careful, we'll lose what true friendship really is and lose any understanding of what it is to be human. And so it's with that backdrop that I want us to help look at what true friendship is and why it's so important. What does it look like? How can we develop good and healthy friendships with each other? 
It's good that it's been a baby Thanksgiving Sunday because it's landed right in the middle of our series on community. And so many of you will be friends and family who've come along to support them. And so this will be really helpful, hopefully, this morning. And so to help us do that, we're going to look at some verses from the Bible together. And we're going to look specifically from the book of Proverbs And the book of Proverbs uh, is known as a wisdom book written to teach us how to live well. And although it talks about humanity's relationship with God, which we'll come to later, it also stresses the vital significance of other relationships if we're to live wisely. And so the first thing we're going to look at is true friendship is crucial. Life is in the book of Proverbs is presented as a journey in which we are constantly faced with a choice between two paths, wisdom and folly. We need good friends who will travel with us, help us discern the right way to go and to spur us on to keep walking down it. And in the first proverb that we're going to read together, we're going to see the importance of friendship in contrast to other relationships that we might have. So the first proverb that we're going to look at is from Proverbs 18, verse 24. It's going to appear on the screen for you to read. And it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What is this proverb saying then? Well, in some ways, this proverb is saying that a brother can be better than a sibling. And and you have to understand that that was said in a culture where, where family was everything. Family was everything. But why would that be? Why... Why would they say that? How could a friend be better than a sibling? Well, let's look at the next proverb in Proverbs 17. It says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother or a sibling is born for a time of adversity. Now, why are they trying to say that? They're trying to say that your family, your your siblings, those you are related to, they're going to be there for you in adversity. Because they care, because there's loyalty, there's memory. They're going to be there for you, but they may not like you. (laughs) They may not like you. I mean, if you have siblings or family that you do like, then you can praise God and you can be very, very thankful. But it's not always the case. But a friend is someone who's chosen you. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. That word sticks in the original language that this was written means to cleave. It means commitment out of passionate love. A friend is better in many ways than a sibling. You see, true friendship is absolutely deliberate. It will not push itself on you. It's why it's a completely unique relationship. And yet it always seems to be put on the back seat. Just think of the films that we watch or the magazines that are found on a shelf in the shop. What type of relationships do they always promote? It's romance, isn't it? 
Romance. In individualistic societies, romance has the platform. In, in more traditional cultures, it's the family that is most important. In, in socialist cultures, it's civic relationships with your neighbours and with the people that you work with. But in every culture, friendship will be put second. It will be squeezed out. Why is that? And part of the answer is, is that because there is no biological or sociological necessity to it. You see, if it wasn't for, for romantic love, you wouldn't exist. Without family love, you wouldn't be reared. If it wasn't for neighborly love, you wouldn't survive without health care and law enforcement. And therefore, in an incredibly busy culture like ours, all those kind of relationships will push themselves onto you. You'll still have to deal with your family. You've got to have civic relationships to maintain a job. You'll still want romance, but friendship, spending deliberate time over time, will always get squeezed out. And yet the Bible says, you won't make it without friends. The book of Proverbs continually says that fools perish either from a lack of friends or poorly chosen friends. And you see, we walk, we walk around, don't we, and we say in the culture that we live in, and we say, I am who I choose to be. I am who I choose to be. But I just don't see that. In the early stages, of our lives, it's our families that shape us. And in the rest of your life, it's often your friends who shape you. It's your community that forms you. It's your community that shapes you. And in the early days, it was your family, but now it's often friends who influence you, who have an effect on who you are. And the book of Proverbs says, you perish through lack of friends or wrong friends. And so the Bible is clear. Friendship is necessary. It's so crucial. It's part of what we were created for. So true friendship is, is crucial. It's important. The Bible says it is so important. But true friendship is also to be discovered in the next Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 20, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So true friendship is discovered. Walk with the wise. In, in an essay that C.S. Lewis wrote about friendship, he describes how lovers are often seen face to face, delighting in one another, whereas the characteristic pose of friends is side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And Lewis suggests that friendship begins when they discover a common interest, a passion. It's found when they discover those traveling the same road as us and decide to walk together. And over the years, I've formed good friendships with people I went to university with, people I work with at school, or with teammates in the football team I play in. But the deepest friendships that I've had have been with those who follow Jesus. And we've 
discovered that together. So this is my friend Dave. There's going to be a picture on the screen. Uh, there we go. There's me with a bit of short hair. That's, a cap that's not how we normally dress. Um, that, was a <laughs> that was a Western fancy dress party. Um, and uh, this is my friend Dave, uh, or more commonly known as Davo, because he's from Swansea. Uh, and so we met at university. Uh, we studied the same course together. Uh, although I was the year ahead of him. We lived together, we were both football obsessed, we watched Lord of the Rings almost once a month together, <laughs> but most importantly, we both loved Jesus. We didn't become great friends immediately, but over time, we discovered how we enjoyed similar things. We learned from each other. We followed Jesus together. And like the proverb says, walk with the wise and become wise. That, walk, that word walk is a Hebrew metaphor for friendship. Walk with the wise. I don't know if that was the case for Dave, walking with me. Um, but the activity of going through life together grew our friendship. As we discovered more about each other. As we walked shoulder to shoulder Friendship, true friendship, requires an affinity, a common love, a common vision that can't just be created. You can't just be a friend because you want a friend. You have to find something and discover it together. Someone else who wrote an essay on friendship said this, friendship doesn't ask, do you love me, so much as, do you see the same truth? Or put another way, the, fr the friendship must have something to be about. Without that, true friendship can't arise. So it must be discovered. It can't be forced upon someone. It develops over time as you discover that commonality with the other person. It means that friendship isn't just going to happen. You have to be intentional about it. It's discovered through spending time with people, doing different things. It's why connect groups are exciting because there's going to be a whole load of things that you can get involved in and discover your passions, what God is calling you to do, but discover new friendships. Friendship is to be discovered. But while it's meant to be discovered, friendship is to be forged as well. It's to be forged the foundations of just discovering a friendship isn't necessarily enough. You must be able to build. And the book of Proverbs gives us some pointers on how we can create a friend and create true friendships. And so we're going to look at three building blocks, three marks of a true friendship. And so as we go through them, you can, you can think to yourself, well, you can th see them as a, an evaluative guide on the friendships that you have and just think, oh, is that, is that what my friendships look like? Or you could look at them as three building blocks for creating a good friendship. Either way is fine. But the three marks of true friendship are constancy, care, and candor. Constancy, care, and candor. And we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at these. Um, so constancy. What do we mean by constancy? Well, if we go back to that very first proverb that we read together, it says, a friend loves at all times. A friend 
loves at all times. Does that mean that you spend all your time with your other friend? No, absolutely not. In fact, in another proverb, it says, spend too much time with your neighbor and they will hate you. (laughs) That's what it says. So don't spend too much time. Get the right balance right. But a friend loves at all times. What does it mean? It means all kinds of time. It means good times, bad times, routine, the ordinary times. You can't be a friend without availability. Constant availability. That's part of what constancy means. But it doesn't just mean availability. It means you are there when the chips are down. When things go wrong. In fact, your real friends, your true friends, will be the kinds of people who say, call me if I can do anything. If you're going through a rough patch. Call me if you need anything. A friend is there not because you're a means to an end, but you're an end in yourself. A friend says, I'll not let you get into ruin. Even if it costs me something, a friend is there. A friend loves at all times. Constancy. Secondly, care. We're going to read two Proverbs coming up on the screen from verse tw- chapter 26. Like a maniac, this is a good, I like this proverb, this is a good one. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. I'll read that again because you're like, what? Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. Or in the next chapter, it says, someone who blesses their neighbor in the morning and it's taken as a curse. Now the proverb is trying to describe someone here and it's describing someone who is emotionally disconnected. I don't know the way you're wired enough to understand that that joke actually hurts you. I don't know what kind of morning person you are to know what I can do in the morning around you. West Point will be fun. (laughs) But here's, here's a description of someone that is emotionally disconnected. They can't read the other person. They don't have the sensitivity to know what to do. But true friendship requires an emotional connection. It requires that understanding of each other of how you tick, the ups and the downs, knows how you're feeling. And in a friendship, often how one person is feeling impacts how the other is feeling. True friendship requires that. It it requires emotional vulnerability, a commitment to see each other flourish. So we've had constancy, we've had care, sensitivity and the final one is candor candor truth telling in Proverbs 27 verse 6 it says wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses two contrasting images here And in another way, it could be described as friendly wounds. That first part, friendly wounds. What are are friendly wounds? 
Well, they are words that your friend needs that are going to be painful for that friend to hear, and yet they have to hear them. Now, what if you are too afraid of saying what really needs to be said sometimes, that you have to question the friendship? In the proverb before it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. You see, we can say to ourselves, oh, I love them too much to tell them the truth. But what you really mean is, I love myself too much to have to go through that. You're not being a friend. I mean, you've all probably watched X Factor, and if you haven't, don't worry about it. You've probably got a better life. But if you have watched X Factor, you've seen those auditions, right? You've seen the people, you know who I mean, the people who come and sing, and you're just wincing at it, and you're just waiting for Simon Cowell to to rip them to shreds, and they get thrown out of the room, and off they go, their heart is sunk, and they go through those double doors, and their family and friends meet them, and they say, you are the greatest singer since Elvis Presley, and you're all like, uh, uh, unreality right there. We've all seen it, out of touch, no sense of reality. While Ben and I were in the States a few weeks ago, one of the things a senior leader said to us was surround yourself with people that aren't impressed by you. I was like, wow, what a line that is. And Ben and I looked at each other and we're like, yeah, we aren't impressed with each other anyway, so that's fine. But surround yourself with people that aren't impressed by you. If you don't have those kind of people in your life, can I suggest and encourage you to go and find some? Do you have people who can wound you? Do you have people who can wound you? And do you see how hard this is? How do you be careful and care the person and have candor? Candor is, I'm telling the truth, but care is, I'm so emotionally connected to you that the painful words I'm going to tell you are going to create pain for me too. And this is why it's so hard to be a friend. You can either be careful and just not say anything and shut up, or you can be candid and not really care. You can just blow your lid off and get it all out there and you don't care for the person at all. But neither of those are the marks of a true friendship. To be a friend requires cost. It requires commitment, sacrifice, pain sometimes. It requires telling the truth. It's why Paul in Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. And so those are the three building blocks of a true friendship. Constancy, being around, being available. Care, having an emotional connection with someone, being vulnerable with them. And truth-telling, speaking the truth in love. That's the foundation. That's, there's the discovery, and then there's the forging of a friendship. Now, we could leave it there and say, right, off you go. Go and make some friends. But actually, we have a bigger problem, perhaps, than some of us recognize. And hopefully, this is going to help us understand it a bit more. 
Because as we've been reading Proverbs and as I've been preparing this week, what we've been getting is a picture of what an ideal friend really looks like. A friend who is always available. Someone who shares the truth to you when it's needed, but it's full of care and sensitivity. A friend who is committed to you so that you're never ruined. When you read the description of a perfect friend, it does two things. It's certainly done two things for me over the last couple of weeks. Firstly, it's, it's created a longing. A longing because in our culture, friends are so often taken away from us. Before we can even forge them, people go. Because of mobility, people are moving around. People work really long hours. People move away or, or we move away. And so we have less and less time with people to forge those friendships. And so when we read about the perfect friend, it, it creates a longing in us because we don't have all the friends our heart really needs. But secondly, the second response, certainly for me, from reading this profile of a perfect friend is that it's crushing. It's crushing because when I measure myself up according to what the Proverbs describe, I begin to realize that one of the reasons why I don't have the friends I need is because I'm not that friend to other people. The reason we don't always have friends that give us these things is because we don't actually give those things to others. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to love at all times. It's hard to be sensitive. It's hard to hold back the words that you really want to say to that person and do it in a way that's caring and sensitive. It's hard to be honest. And yet we have to ask ourselves, how often are we these things to other people? And the question that I'm left with is where am I going to get the power to be the friends we need to be? Where am I going to get the power to be the friend I'm supposed to be to others? And the answer is that the night before Jesus died, Jesus had gathered his friends around a table. He gathered them around a table and they were eating food and he was desperately trying to explain and describe to his friends what he was about to do. What he was about to do to his, with his friends, for his friends. So in, in the book of John, which is a gospel account of Jesus' life, in chapters 14, 15 and 16, he's describing what he's about to do. And in John chapter 15, he explains it through the concept of friendship. And so he says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. He goes on to say, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And in the verse just before, in verse 13, he says, greater love 
has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You see, when a friend turns their back, the other friend tends to do the same thing. We give someone the silent treatment. We give them the cold shoulder. We even look for revenge. But Jesus couldn't be more different. In Jesus Christ, we have the ultimate friend. A friend who, rather than turning their back on us, says, I call you friend. Rather than moving away from us, he moves towards you and says, I am committed to you, so committed to you that I will lay down my life for you. I'm so committed to you that rather than inflicting wounds on you, I will take them for you. And it was on the cross where we see that happening. It was on the cross where Jesus lost his friendship with God the Father so that we could have friendship with God. Jesus Christ on the cross experienced what we should have experienced from our rejection of his friendship and love. And so it's in Jesus that we meet our deepest longings. He fulfills our deepest longings. He forgives our deepest failings. And so when we understand about what Jesus is offering us and what he has done for us, it's from there that we get the power to be better friends towards people. Because we so often put all our eggs into the human basket, don't we? We so often put our, all our eggs, all our hopes, all our security in the people around us. And so then it's no wonder that we get, feel like we're being let down constantly by the people around us. But what Jesus is saying is, you can put all your eggs in my basket. You can find your security in me, in someone who never goes away, never turns his back. And what the gospel, what, what Jesus does, is he doesn't just connect people who all look the same, who all like the same things. Friendship isn't just about finding the clone of yourself and then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, you are wonderful because you look just like me. That's not what true friendship, the, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of, of what this is, the church, is that it brings all kinds of people together with the deepest affinity which is in Jesus Christ. The deepest passion for many of us here is that we follow Jesus. In fact, there isn't many other reasons why I would hang out with Pete Torrance, <laughs> other than football. Um, but it's, why the it's what the beauty of the church is all about. It brings people from different countries, different languages, different passions, and says, this is why we're joined together, because we follow Jesus. And so I want to leave you with a few things to consider just before we finish. And the first is, what kind of friends do you have? What kind of friends do you have? When you think about the friends you have, do they look something like those building blocks? Constancy, care, candor? Or are they mostly surface level friendships? 
Or is it in fact that you have so many friends that you actually haven't gone deep with anyone and get to the real stuff? And the second question is, what kind of friend are you? I've been asking myself that question all week. What kind of friend am I? What am I like as a friend? And I want to suggest that part of having friends is that you can be vulnerable with people. And by doing that, by looking at the friendships that you have, actually if you embody those things first, it opens a door up. Something so simple like, at the end of coffee, how can I pray for you? It just opens things up. And the last thing is, is that perhaps you've come this morning with friends or with family and you're just working out what on earth is all of this. Perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian but you've come along to support your friends in what they're doing. I want to say this, that, that Jesus is inviting you to explore something of his friendship just to discover what it is to be a follower and a friend of Jesus. Can I encourage you to take even just a small step by even just asking the people who you came with, why do you, why do you go to church? Why do you follow Jesus? It could just be a question like that. Ask the friend who you came with. And if you recognize that actually, I do need to discover some friends. I do need to actually make some of my friendships more vulnerable, to be honest. Or perhaps you you feel the weight when I talked about being candid, that there is something in your mind, I really care for this person, I don't know how to broach it with them. Then we would love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about that. But another great way of doing it is, is through what Olivia was talking about on the screen, connect groups, which are starting in September. It's just a good first step, isn't it? Just to discover what pe- who people are, find out a bit about them, what makes them tick. It's a great opportunity to do that. Okay, I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going to end the meeting at the end. And after I've prayed, why don't you go and meet some people? <laughs> we're not going to worship. It would seem silly just to talk about friendship and then not talk with people after. So can I encourage you, as we finish, why don't you grab a drink, uh, and why don't you meet some new people? Or perhaps there's someone here, actually you just really you want to invest in that friendship, and you want to pray with them, you want to thank them for who they are. I, looking around the room, there are some amazing, I've got some amazing friends here, and I was just thinking, oh, be, what a good idea just to text them even, and just say, do you know what, thank you for being such a good friend. That might be something that you'd like to do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you demonstrated what true friendship was really like. You demonstrated to us the cost of friendship by laying down your life so that we would find life in you. And Lord, we do pray for our friendships with people. We pray that they wouldn't just be surface level, but Lord, they would be a spurring on of each other, like an iron that sharpens iron. We pray, Lord, that that would be what 
our friendships look like. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for everything that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.